In Jesus' name, amen. Well, how many of you here today can remember your very first driving lessons? Anyone here today remember getting in the car for the first time? Uh, When you're learning to drive, it is a very exciting time, isn't it? Uh, For those who are teaching you to drive, it is a terrifying time. Uh, But for everyone involved, I suppose it's a memorable time. Uh, The thing about driving is that you need to learn, don't you? It, It doesn't just come naturally to us. Some of us might like to think that we're more natural at it than others, but the truth is, for all of us, there are certain rules of the road that need to be taught, uh, that we need to learn. Uh, I I can still remember my very first time in the car. Uh, My dad took me over to Kensington Business Center. You might know where that is, over behind Randhurst, and it was a lazy Sunday afternoon. We knew that the, the roads there would be quiet, and so he took me out, and I remember a lot from that day. Uh, I remember how confident my dad seemed in me, which looking back now, I appreciate. Uh, He might have been terrified or nervous, I don't know, but he exuded this confidence in me. I remember him saying, all right, let's go. Let's do this. And uh, I remember getting in the car, shutting the door, uh, strapping on my seatbelt, starting the engine, and then just freezing. I had no idea what to do next. I had never done it before. And And so I asked my dad this very silly question, uh, but I asked it because it was my only frame of reference. I asked him, Dad, is this like driving a go-kart? And I remember my dad saying, yeah, but, and before he got anything else out, I had hit the pedal to the floor, the gas as hard as I could, because that's what you do in go-karts. And that's all I knew. And uh, I had a lot to learn, as you can imagine. I would like to think I've come a long way, but maybe, maybe not. Uh, We all need to learn, and today in our gospel reading from Mark 2, Jesus gives us some spiritual driving lessons. There are some rules of the road, you could say, for how to live as God's child in his kingdom that he needs to teach us, things that don't necessarily come inherently to us that we need to learn. And so today, Jesus has some spiritual driving lessons for us. These lessons do not take place at Kensington Business Center, but in a town called Capernaum, a city on the side of the sea. Uh, We learn these these lessons through the story of the calling of Levi. Uh, You might know Levi by another name. He's also called Matthew in the Bible, so you probably recognize him as one of the disciples. And this is the story of Jesus calling Levi to be his disciple. Now, there are some things about Levi which are very similar to the rest of the disciples. Uh, In fact, already in Mark's gospel, Jesus has called four men to be a part of his team. He's called Peter and Andrew and James and John, but now it's Levi's turn. And and again, there are some things about Levi that are similar to the rest. Uh, Levi is a good Jewish man, as you can probably tell by the name. Uh, He was a Jew. Uh, He was similar to them in that regards, but there is one important thing that separates Levi from the rest, one very important thing that makes him different, uh, and that is he is a tax collector. Now, that might not mean much to us today, but back then it meant a lot. It meant that Levi was most likely despised by many, hated by some, and probably thought of to be amongst the scum of the earth by many, many people in Jesus' day. Uh, And here's why. Uh, Israel in that day where Jesus was living was a land, uh, God's promised land, that was controlled by these outside influences. It was ruled by the Romans. Uh, A few centuries before, Rome had come in and taken over Israel, conquered it, and considered it to be their land. Now, Rome in general kind of let the, the Jewish people do what they wanted to do. They were free 
to worship Yahweh as they wanted to worship him. The Israelites could worship him however they wanted. But there were some things that Rome was going to take care of. And, and one of those things was that Rome was going to get its money from the Israelites one way or another. And the way they had decided to do that was to collect a tax. Uh, but in order to collect a tax, they, of course, needed tax collectors, which is what Levi was. And tax collectors were these highly coveted jobs uh, that were usually given away to the highest bidder. And how these positions worked was that each tax collector uh, had to give a certain amount of money back to Rome each year. So we'll say for today, let's just imagine, Levi had to give $100,000 to Rome each year. But tax collectors, Levi included, were free to collect as much money as they could possibly get for themselves from the people. So if Levi was able to somehow scrounge and scheme and collect a million dollars, that meant that he could put in his own pockets $900,000. And very often in history, tax collectors are portrayed as these people these men who are willing to do whatever it took to take from the people to, to get rich for themselves. And so you can start to understand why people like Levi, tax collectors, were not well liked, right? Uh, but what would have made Levi a little bit different, what would have made Levi in particular especially despised, was that he was a Jew. And so he would have been seen by his fellow countrymen as a traitor, right? He was working for the enemy. He was working for Rome. He was stealing his own people, his own families, uh, hard-earned shekels and denarii to, to get himself rich. And so no one would have wanted, no Jewish man would have wanted to be around someone like Levi. And yet it's exactly Levi who Jesus chooses to be a part of his small little group of disciples, isn't it? And that I think it's supposed to, to amaze us. <laughs> it's almost unthinkable that Jesus would choose someone like him to be a part of his team. And, and again, I don't know that we're quite able to wrap our minds around that idea in uh, 21st century America. And I tried to think of a couple examples to equate it to in the modern day. Uh, and I thought of one that I shared with my Bible study on Wednesday, so they've heard it, but I'll share it with the rest of you. And this might, might not be a perfect example or equation, but uh, it's the one we'll use today. So imagine, if you can, uh, imagine that here at Living Christ, we're doing a little bit of restructuring. We're going to reorganize how we run things on the business side. And as part of that, we've decided we're going to uh, call a whole new board of directors. We're going to start from scratch. And imagine, for some crazy reason, you guys are having a bad day, and you've asked me to choose that board. You said, Pastor, we want you to pick 12 new board members. And you might be thinking to yourself, that's an easy job because we have such faithful people here, talented, gifted, godly people. Uh, I should be able to put all of your names in a hat and just pick out one, right? And we'd be doing pretty good on our board. Easy job. But imagine I didn't do that. Imagine if instead uh, I went down to Rivers Casino or maybe to downtown Arlington Heights and I waited until 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, last call, and people are stumbling out, ready to take their, their cab rides home. And I pulled those people aside and I said, I want you to serve on our board. You are the perfect person for this job. Right? That would be unthinkable. Or, or imagine, and, and we talked about this at Bible study too, imagine if I went to the offices uh, of the telemarketers, those men and women who call you on the phone during dinner or while you're trying to spend time with your kids, uh, those might be the tax collectors for us today, universally despised. 
especially maybe the ones who kind of scheme and scam and prey on the elderly and the confused who try to get your personal information. Imagine if I went to their offices at 5 p.m. just as they were getting off of work and I grabbed them and said, you got to be a part of our board. We need you. Right? That would be unthinkable. Why would I do that? That's what Jesus does. He chooses Levi, this, this scum of the earth, this traitor, to be one of his disciples. He had this vast pool of, of eligible, eligible people he could have chosen, right? He had the cream of the crop, the Pharisees and the Sadducees he could have asked to be on his team, and yet he asks Levi. And we know that for Jesus, this was not a mistake, and it was not a one-time thing. Uh, we see that throughout Jesus' life, consistently, constantly, he is choosing to spend time with and welcome in and use people that no one else wanted anything to do with. And even in our reading for today, Jesus not only calls uh, Levi, he also sits down and eats a meal with him, and lots of other tax collectors and all sorts of sinners are there too. Jesus isn't afraid to get his hands dirty and mix it up with people who are unclean. Uh, that's the kind of God we have. That ought to tell us something about who Jesus loves and who he welcomes in, who he accepts. Now, that's a little bit of background in our story for today, and that brings us to our very first spiritual driving lesson, the lesson that Jesus has for us on how to live in his kingdom. And the first lesson uh, is this. Uh, don't be a backseat driver. Uh, Jesus had plenty of backseat drivers in his day, right? They were called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were the ones who thought that they knew what Jesus should be doing and how he should be spending his time and who he should be spending it with. The Pharisees thought that they knew who was worthy and who was unworthy, who was righteous and who was rotten. And they weren't afraid to tell Jesus, right? They were not afraid to tell him what to do. And, and we might today think that we're a little bit better, but I think we also fall into that trap of putting people into groups, right? These are the good people, these are the bad people. These are the ones who are worthy of my time and my energy and that these are the ones who not. We, we make all of these judgment calls for God and he reminds us today that he does not need any backseat drivers. <laughs> he doesn't need us telling him what to do. And, and the truth is that there are certain things from our vantage point in the backseat that we cannot see, that only Jesus has perspective on. Right? Uh, Jesus can see into hearts and minds like we can. To Jesus uh, can see this thing called faith in people that the rest of us are only guessing at when we look at their lives. And, and so he, 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 he wants us to leave the driving to him. He doesn't need us telling him where to go or, or who to accept or, or who to love. And, and I think the most important thing about this is that Jesus sees one truth that most of us have a hard time recognizing, and that is that none of us is worthy, none of us is righteous apart from him, and yet he loves all people, <laughs> So he says, I don't need a backseat driver. Let me take care of that. Uh, our second lesson for us today uh, from Jesus is to check our blind spots, our, our, our spiritual blind spots. Uh, that's what Jesus said in verse 17, which you've heard a couple of times now, where Jesus said that he did not come for the healthy, but for the sick, that he did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Uh, Jesus is reminding us to check our blind spots because the truth is for all of us, 
Our sin has this kind of sneaky way of, of making its way into our lives and hanging out in just the right spots where we're often kind of oblivious to it. Our, our, our gossip, our lies, our lust, our jealousy, our materialism, our lack of generosity, these sins kind of hang out in our lives just waiting to cause a wreck for us, waiting to cause a crash. And Jesus doesn't want us to ignore those things or pretend they're not there, but to check our blind spots, to be honest about the messes and the diseases and the sin in our life. Check your blind spots. That is something that the Pharisees did not do, right? They looked at their lives and they said, we're doing good. Uh, We're holy. We're righteous. We followed all the rules. And the last thing we need is some man named Jesus telling us what to do. The last thing we need is a Savior. Why would we need to be saved? We've got the law and we've kept it perfectly. And they were totally oblivious to the sin in their lives. And so instead of living that way, Jesus wants us to check our spiritual blind spots, to be honest about the messes and the dirt and the the sickness and the sin in our lives. He wants us to see it for what it is. And he wants us to see it not just so that we beat ourselves up or we feel awful about ourselves, but so that we can give those things to him. So we can say, here, here's my sickness. I need you to heal it, Lord, and he will. So we can say, Lord, here's my mess. I can't seem to do anything about it. As much as I try to scrub and clean, I'm, I'm still dirty. And, and we give that to him and, and we're cleansed. He, we say, here's my sin. I, I've been oblivious to it for so long and Jesus forgives it. <laughs> Rather than letting it kind of linger there and, and cause a crash in our life to build up and, and cause a wreck, Jesus says, check your blind spots and give that all to me, the one who can care for it. Uh, That brings us to our our final uh, spiritual driving lesson, uh, and that is to simply follow Jesus. Uh, I I learned an important lesson when I was beginning to drive, and I don't remember uh, who shared it with me, but it stuck with me. Uh, And and that is that when you're driving, you cannot just focus on the little strip of road right in front of the nose of your car, right? You you can't just look at the, the part of the street that's right in front of you. You have to look up. Uh, Because if you're only focused on what's right in front of you, you're going to be going 70 miles down the highway and there's going to be a traffic jam with cars stopped. And by the time you get there, you're not going to have time to stop. Or or you're going to be so focused on the little strip of concrete in front of you that that there's going to be a pothole 50 yards down the road and you're not going to have time to swerve and make it around it. You you can't just focus on what's in front of you. You you, got to look up. You got to focus further down and and that's what Jesus calls us to do too because many of us, uh, probably for good reason, we are only focused on what's right in front of us, right? Because there's a lot that's right in front of us. We have family problems and our health to focus on. We have our, our kids to worry about. We, we have family drama going on. We have bills to pay. And sometimes we need to remember to, to look up. <laughs> and Jesus says to Levi today, but I think also to us, that we need to look up and follow him to look to his cross where he died for us, where our sins were taken care of, to look to his tomb where, where there is life, greater life, new life, to look to his perfect obedience, which is our righteousness by faith. Follow me, Jesus says. Look up. Lift up your eyes from the mess in front of you and never forget that I am there. Follow me, Jesus says. One who accepts you despite your sin. The one who welcomes in all sorts of sinners, Sinners like Levi, sinners like me, sinners like you. Follow Jesus, the one who came to heal our sicknesses and our diseases. Follow Jesus. Look up, he says. 
and he will take us exactly to where we need to be. In Jesus' name, amen.